Do you ever struggle with anxiety or anxiousness? Uh, do you, are you like me where sometimes you are looking up in the ceiling, laying in bed, middle of the night, can't go to sleep? What do you think about? What troubles you in those times? Is it finances? Vocation? I know I've had conversations with several of you about wondering what God's plan is for your life. Does that trouble you? Does that make you feel weary? Your career, how it's going now? Maybe you're in a job that maybe you didn't sign up for. I didn't sign, you know, this is not a part of my job description. And yet you're finding that, uh, jobs working is, is full of thistles and thorns and brokenness. What do you do with those? anxious thoughts. What about your children? Maybe they're young like mine, wondering, pacing, wrestling with where the Lord's going to take them, what he's going to do. Maybe some, for some of you, you have children who are wayward, who you have brought them up in the ways of the Lord, and yet they have turned uh, away. What do you do there? In the midst of all that's going on, what do you rely upon? What do you rest in? What makes you weary? Oftentimes, um, it's very easy, if you're like me, to scheme, to plan, to wonder. Man, if, if I had a million dollars, things would be so much easier. Isn't that what we go to, like kind of what we're drawn to? Uh, life without pain or struggle, it's easy. There's no trouble. There's no weariness. Here and now in this Genesis 3 world, how do we, how do we deal with that? Where do we put our trust in? Wealth? Money? Politics? Our, our reputation? Um, our connectedness? I hope, uh, today what we, what we'll find in the Lord is his challenge, his comfort, his peace, his joy, uh, that in, in the midst of, of all the craziness that is going on, we consider who he is and what he's done for us. This is the, what um, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, if you want to turn that uh, with me. I'm only going to read a few verses I'll start uh, with verse uh, 27 and go to 33. He's on the side of a mountain with the multitude, many of his disciples. He, he, as uh, uh, Mickey reminded us, he had just modeled and shown uh, his disciples how to pray. And uh, he says this, Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today, today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? 
For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Let's pray one more time. Father, send your spirit. We pray that uh, your word would come alive. That you would comfort us. That you would teach us your ways. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, what beautiful instructions our Savior has for his disciples. Uh, what Jesus is teaching us is God's faithful provisions produces in us believers by faith in the Son whose hearts that treasure his word and seeks his glory. Those faithful provisions. He's is, is rooted in who he is, uh, even in his very name. I, I will always be who I always will be. The faithful one. The one who pursues us. Who provi- has provided all things for us. Right? The physical, the emotional, and the spiritual. So I wanted us to take away maybe three thoughts um, and I'm going to try and apply it to maybe a couple of case studies. I'm going to try and apply it to those of us who are facing financial ruin, who are struggling uh, in that area. I'm going to try and apply this to maybe the, the student who is wrestling with vocation. I'm going to try and apply it to parents who uh, push and plan their children to succeed in this life. At what cost? So the first point is, because the Father provides for us His children, we must treasure His Word. Uh, Jesus uh, dives right in, and He talks about comparing and contrasting earthly treasures with heavenly treasures. Earthly treasures can be summed up in what maybe Ebenezer Scrooge talks about, right? The, the pursuit of substance. Right? Of not dying in want. So we're gonna orient our lives. We're gonna, we're gonna treasure up the things of this world. The, the, we're gonna believe the lies that the world teaches us about ourselves, about our identity, about where we should find meaning and purpose, about assurances and hope. And he could, he says, don't, Lay up for yourselves earthly treasures. Lay up for yourselves heavenly treasures. What are heavenly treasures? Isn't that interesting? Jesus uh, goes on later to talk about there are many rooms right in my father's house. He goes to prepare a place for us. What do we value? What do we treasure? What are we seeking after? What are we pursuing? Are we pursuing that which will not rot away or be taken from us? What, what, is, what has God promised to us, his people, through his word? That nothing can separate us from his love demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Right? We talked about this yesterday morning as we celebrated and remembered Larry. Not even death. Do you believe that? It's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to grapple with. 
What else? What are the what are other treasures that has been promised to us as people? An alien righteousness, and a righteousness, a, a goodness that comes from outside of ourselves, that is given to us. A new heart, a new mind, a new status. Our hope is in Christ, our King, and our elder brother. Right? We've been brought, we were a wayward sh- sheep, right? Our, our good shepherd has pursued after us and he's brought us in to his family. All that Christ has purchased for us is ours. How? By faith. Where do we find that? In the Bible, in God's word. We're called to treasure, lay up, store, right? It's where... Uh, Scripture memory comes in. That's why we sing the songs that we do, is we're reminded of God's faithfulness. We're we're taught His Word to store it in our heart. When we're facing uncertainty, maybe for some of us, financial ruin, when we're struggling, when we're wondering how are we going to make this happen, God's Word comes to us and He reminds us, I delight in you. You are my child. I've given my son for you. Trust in me. Rest in me. Think about who he's talking to here. Men and women who will be facing imminent death here in the next near future. And we see Jesus saying, come to me. You're weary. In fact, there are, uh, all, the, all the Gospels talk about Jesus Feeding thousands, right? Out of uh, fish and bread. Out of little, he provides for all. And they eat, they partake. We are called to remember who God is, what he's done for us, how he's pursued us, what he's secured for us. And this is not based on anything we've done or can do. It's by the will of the Lord. We're called to treasure it, tuck it away, hide it, rest in it, remember it. We are promised much more uh, than we ever dare to imagine. It's what allows for Paul to say, everything else is worthless compared to the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ. When we are at our wit's end, I pray that the Lord would remind that, that he has paid it all, that our hope is in him, that through him we are provided what we truly need, salvation, uh, our sin uh, dealt with, God's glory manifested and given to us. A right standing, a reconciliation that can never be taken away. In those moments, do you believe that? I pray that you do. I pray that you rest in that. What about the one who is wrestling with vocation, calling, or where they are in life? What does God promise you? His righteousness? Being justified? Acquitted of your sin, 
brought into the fold of God, cared for by our Heavenly Father, delighted in because of our elder brother Jesus, hope and assurance in the midst of bleak and hard and struggling times, power to overcome sin, Satan, and death. When we are faced with what we are to do with our lives, might we put our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ alone? Might we treasure his promises? Might we treasure what he has accomplished for us? When we're weary uh, from watching and observing, caring for, wrestling with our children, what gives you hope there? Maybe those who are wayward, do you rest in God's promise that all those who have been called in him will be brought to life? John 10, John 6, Christ has come to offer his life as a ransom for many. Continue to pray for them. Continue to care for them. Continue to reach out to them. Continue to wrestle with the Lord in those times. Maybe you're like my uh, age and stage and you have younger children. What do you, what worries you then? I tell you what worries me is a, a broken and falling world having uh, their way with my children. If we believe that those who've been uh, far off brought near, that, that God's promises are for believers and his children, then we must rest in that, in, in, in the hope and the assurance of Christ's life, death, and resurrection. We seek to build our children up, teach them his, his ways. I think it's important to consider ways in which they can succeed and, and support them and encourage them to that end, provide, uh, position them in such a way, uh, academically, athletically. A, a few w- uh, weeks ago, uh, my wife went to uh, the, our kids' elementary school And there was a presentation that was made about how to think about middle school and all these options that are before us. And there was a desire to to position our children in such a way that they will flourish in the ways of this world. Not that making them go to a good school or pushing them to um, not quit and and commit themselves. But to what extent? Uh, One of uh, the guys that I worked with uh, in Detroit, uh, he always made this, uh, and it struck me, this interesting comment uh, as it relates to raising up children. What do we, when we think of who our children are, what is what 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 about them is most important? What do what do we cherish? What do we want to build up? Physical, emotional, spiritual? And oftentimes we say what's most important is the spiritual, right? Their spiritual well-being. But how do we often parent physical and emotional at the expense of the spiritual? Practical application couple of my kids are playing soccer and I want them to play soccer. I want them to flourish and grow in that skill. And we're going to be faced with the reality of what are we going to do because to go on to the next level? 
travel league, right? Uh, oftentimes those leagues practice and play on Sundays. And what we see, uh, what we've been taught, what I value is, what do we orient our lives around? What do we orient our families' lives around? This hour, hour and a half, or last week, two hours of worship, right? This is the most important hour of our lives. That is where we gather as God's people, where we are taught His Word, where we are reminded of the good news, where we are solidified and encouraged to trust in His promises. How are we going to deal with that? Maybe we need to say no to Sundays. Maybe in God's providence, we are given opportunity. Maybe, you know, as the way I think about it, whenever we, my family and I travel, I usually pull up Yelp and I look at all the awesome restaurants or the cool things to do. What do I not do? Let's look for churches to gather and worship, maybe early Sunday morning. If I have a game at 9 o'clock, maybe we go to worship at an 8 o'clock service. Or we go to an evening service. You have to, I'm going to give you an opportunity to wrestle with that before the Lord in terms of what you value, what your, where your conscience leads you. But what we do see uh, in the scriptures is that it was from the beginning designed one day set apart to worship the Lord. And if we do not, oftentimes, and I've heard this from a teaching, uh, uh, from a pastor in Jacksonville, chaos ensues. Brokenness comes when we do not meet with the Lord and gather with God's people. Are we, this generation, raising up our children in the ways of the Lord? Are we teaching them unknowingly to seek earthly treasures over heavenly treasures? What does it look like to lead our children in the ways of the Lord and the wisdom and admonition of the Lord. Of course, trusting in him, hiding away his word, orienting our lives around the public worship of God. Might you be challenged? Might I be challenged in that? And might we submit our will to his? Move on, moving on to our second point, because the father provides for his children, we must submit to his will. That is a hard thing to hear as an American. Is it not? Nobody. I'm never going to submit to anyone. Who do you think you are? Uh, that's often how I respond. Uh, often uh, jaded uh, by the ways of this world. But his will is good. Just as his word is good gives us life, gives us hope and assurance, reminds us of who He is, what He's done for us. Uh, God's Word uh, shows us who He is and what He requires of us, what we are to to know about salvation offered in Jesus Christ. Uh, Verses 22 through 24, Jesus kind of uses a couple of images here, right? He talks about eye of light versus eye of darkness. It's really interesting. Uh, 
And I know the uh, youth group uh, in Sunday school talked about this, salt and light, what Jesus meant by that. We see Genesis 1. What do we see? We see God in the midst of chaos bringing order by the word of his power. Let there be light. And there was light. We see John chapter 1 picking up that imagery and he calls Jesus the light of the world. Think about how light is used. It's, it exposes the darkness, right? It, it rids it out. It reveals uh, what is hidden. It directs us on where to walk, on what to view, on how to view it. It helps us. It guides us. It keeps us. He is our light. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about himself. The, the light of the world. The one who comes into our darkness. Just like he did in Genesis chapter 1. Where there is darkness and chaos. Order out of the word of his power. We experience that personally by faith in him. The one who exposes our sin, who exposes Satan, exposes death and brokenness, only one that offers hope and assurance and wholeness in the midst of that by doing what? By entering into the darkness, entering into uh, his father, uh, his father's anger, his wrath at our sin and being raised back to life bringing the light of eternal life by faith in him. What do you seek? What do you look at? What do you focus on? What is your hope? What do you pursue? Do you pursue the treasures of this world or the light that exposes, that gives hope and assurance through his life, death, and resurrection? He just, uh, Jesus just uh, instructed, as I stated earlier, about the kingdom of light, how we are to seek it as we pray, right? Lord, thy will be done as it is in heaven and on earth. For thine is the kingdom, right? Power and the glory forever and ever. My will, not my will, but yours. God has revealed his will. Come into the darkness beckons us into his presence. He, as uh, Paul talks about, he snatches us, right? Through his shed blood on the cross, he's, he's ransomed us out of the kingdom of darkness and brought us into his kingdom of light. So when we fix our eyes upon Jesus, we are fixing our eyes, we're resting in, we're trusting, we're focusing on Christ, his righteousness, the hope his kingdom, right? What, is, what does uh, Jesus do? What does he promise as the Messiah? To preach the good news to the poor, to make the lame walk, to heal the sick, to, res- to, make, uh, to bring back to life uh, the dead, and what? To give sight to the blind. He illumines our eyes. He, the Spirit, uh, by 
trusting in Christ, we are united to Jesus. We see who Jesus is. We see our need for him. We see our sin. We mourn our sin. It's a good thing to mourn our sin. Why? Because it drives us to the light. Lord, expose me. Help me in my unbelief. Help me to put my trust in you when it seems like the world is caving in on me. Again, maybe you're at your wit's end financially. I pray that in the midst of that, that you would see the light, that you would see his glory, his power, how he has been faithful through the ages, how he promises to provide for us as people, how he has revealed himself, how he has beckoned the way to know him, to be reconciled to him. Might you rest in that? If you're wandering, if you're, if you're aimless, if you're struggling, know that you have a Savior who, who's experienced that. All that is common to man. He's exposed that. He's revealed a way to know the Lord, the way to know the Lord in the midst of darkness, in a dark and fallen, broken world. To be a part of an everlasting kingdom. To have a citizenship that goes beyond this world. When you're wandering, when you're wrestling, I pray God's word will remind you that you are his child. He has, the father has given up his son for you and me. Rest in that. Jesus goes on to talk about having two masters. Actually, that word there for serve is slave. What are you a slave to? Again, what do you treasure? What are you fixing your eyes upon? What are you hoping in? Is it, is God your master? Are you a part of Christ's family? Do you rest in his promises? Does that give you meaning and purpose and hope and assurance and all that's going on in our world? Or do you struggle with seeing what you can put our hand, your hands on, what you can gather, right? What you can build up, what you can store up with your hands, with your status, with your abilities, it's, it's no wonder that Jesus is teaching this to his disciples. It's almost as if he knew that we would struggle with this. And what is he reminding us? I am the light. Turn from the darkness. Put your hope in me. Fix your eyes upon me. I will give you rest. Isn't that what Jesus says in Matthew 11? Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. We wander and we wander and we wander. We are lost without his intervention in our lives. Without him, by the work of the Spirit, giving us a new heart, transforming us, making us confess our sin and put our hope and our trust in him. Bob Dylan wrote a song about this after he came to faith. Do you remember what that song was? What the title was? You gotta serve somebody. 
And he goes and he, he looks at the world and he compares and contrasts people. And he says, are you going to serve the devil or are you going to serve the Lord? You will serve somebody. Might you serve the Lord? Might you submit to his will? Why? Because his will is good. He is our heavenly father who's provided all things. He has made the way to, you, to him. He has brought us into his light. He has embraced us as his children. He has sealed us with the spirit by faith in the son. We are his forever. And all that's going on this week, the past three weeks in our lives, in those aspects of our lives that no one knows about, might God's light shine forth in the darkness. Might he be your hope and assurance in this time. Knowing that we're going to continue to wrestle with the consequences, maybe of poor decisions that we made, but there, there's a promise here. There's an invitation when you're wrestling, when you're struggling. What does he say we are, might help us in that endeavor? Our final point comes to us. He says, because the Father provides for his children, we must rely upon him. What does he say? He says, look to the birds. Look to the flowers. Before he says that, he, he exposes our sin and he says, what are you anxious about? Why are you anxious about what you will eat? What will, uh, what will feed you? What will feed your family? What, what you will drink? What will clothe you? Why are you anxious about these things? He says, can you add a single, single year to one's life? The, the Greek there, uh, is really interesting. Uh, it, it, the, it actually means adds a cubit or a measurement. Okay, so a cubit was about your forearm, elbow to uh, end of the hand, if I'm not mistaken. So how can anxiousness, anxiety, add a cubit to your stature? So it's like you're adding to your height, right? Is that what stature means? What else does stature mean? Reputation, what you value, what you hope in what you give yourself to, who you are in your own strength. Can you add a measure to your stature? What do you think he means by that stature, status? Are you and I, and I'm tempted, it's what I oftentimes wrestle with when I'm looking at the ceiling, lying in bed, how can things be easier, right? Do you struggle with that? How can I make my name great? How can I add to what I have? How can I do more for myself? How can I position myself? How can I be head and shoulders above others? As, you, as we look through the history of Israel, isn't that what... Oftentimes, Israel chose the, the measurement for their king, head and shoulders. Who was head and shoulders before everyone else? Saul, who was rejected by God for his rebellion. 
Who else? The giant, Goliath? What happened to them? They were uh, chopped down. They were exposed. God's power, his glory, and the most unlikely way was shown forth. He has provided all that we need. Might we rest in him? Might we serve him? Might we trust in him? As I stated before, when Jesus beckons us to himself, he says, take my yoke upon you. There is a yoke, right? There is a, we're, we're, there, he, a yoke was often used uh, in agriculture for oxen or horses to, uh, to enter in and, and uh, push a plow or pull a, a plow. It's what um, bore the weight of the plow, spread it apart. And what Jesus was saying uh, in, um, later on in Matthew is, the yoke that you and I try to bear in our in ourselves and our own strength is too much for us to carry. So he calls us to submit to him, to bring it to him, to cast our burdens upon Jesus. He reminds us to look to the birds of the air. Mickey Dansby and I... Uh, over these past few years, have gotten to know each other as we walked around the Vieira Wetlands. Have you ever been to Vieira Wetlands? It's a beautiful place. Uh, a lot of exotic birds, a lot of awesome animals. Uh, Mickey has a world of knowledge about the, the birds and the animals out there. And as I was reading through this passage and studying uh, chapter 6, uh, the Lord brought that to, to my mind it was as R.C. Sproul and J.C. Ryle and others reminded us, it, it's an object lesson, right? It's a, it's a lesson in God's providence, the doctrine of God's providence, his sovereignty. As we watch beautiful birds like limpkins and uh, purple gallinules and buntings, uh, forge through the marsh looking for food, eating small fish, eating uh, insects. God is reminding us of his provision, spiritually in Jesus Christ, but also physically. Jesus reminds us that we are more than what we wear. We are more than our bank account size. We are more than the house that we live in, the car that we drive, We are more than what others view us, our reputation. The Lord reminds us in the same way that he provides for the birds of the air, flowers of the field, that he loves us and he's provided all that we need in Jesus Christ, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. He sees us in our need later on in uh, that verse, in verse uh, 32. The Lord sees us. He sees you in your toil. He doesn't reject you. He delights in you. He loves you. He's beckoning you to himself. He's reminding you that he's provided all things for you. 
And he's encouraging you to put your hope and your trust in him in the midst of all that's going on in our lives. Uncertainty, hardship, struggle, wrestling with who we are, our identity, what we are to do with our lives, our children, ourselves. Might we take time to step away and consider his provisions for the birds. You know, that's something that I really struggle with. As a pastor, as supposedly a shepherd for my family, for the church, it's hard for me to stop. I don't know if, that, if you struggle with that. It's easy, and I've, uh, we had a conversation of, uh, a few minutes ago about that. It's easy for us to, to add stuff to our plate, Right? It's easy for us to wrestle. It's easy for us to, to toil. And Jesus is reminding us, as the author reminds us in Ecclesiastes, that it's like vapor in the wind. He's, he's reminding us that what he offers us is much greater than anything the world can offer us. That he sees us in the midst of our brokenness. He comes to us. He invites us in. He transforms us. He makes us new. He makes us whole. He makes us his children. He enables us to follow after him, to rest in him, to trust in him. Help me to take time to consider who God is and what he's done for me. And I will try to do that for you as well. That's why we're here today. We're reminded to seek the kingdom of heaven, which is what Jesus closes this passage with. He says, don't be like the Gentiles. Don't be like those who are far from me, who don't know me, who are seeking after the treasures of this world that leads to their destruction. Seek after my kingdom, my righteousness, Put your hope and your trust. What does it mean to seek after the righteousness of God? A couple of things. One, it begins with recognizing I am unrighteous before a holy and awesome God. I cannot save myself. He alone can save me. He offers it to you and me. It means that we confess our sin. We, we cry out to the Lord. The one who is, who is at her wit's end, who's about to lose their house or a job or struggling financially. Cry out to the Lord. Come to Him. Seek His light. Trust in His provisions. Rest in His promises that we are His children, that He is our God. Isn't that what we get? Isn't that what we, what we receive when we trust in the Lord? We get God. He is, he is ours forever. Put your hope and your trust in Him. Seek the, His glory in all that you do. There's a practical application in terms of, there may be a time for those of us who are wrestling with who, what we're called to, where we may just need to do whatever it takes to provide for our family. There was a time in my life where uh, before uh, we came here, even before uh, we moved to Detroit, um, 
that I had to work in a call center and I had to deal with people who were angry at me because I, whatever company that I was working for had W2s stored up electronically. And I would constantly be uh, berated and yelled at on the phone. It was very humbling. And I think that's part of what Jesus is reminding us here. To humble ourselves. In fact, that's what he talks about uh, in chapter 5. Right? Those Blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Do you believe that? That the kingdom of heaven is yours? Why do you put your trust and your hope in him? The one who is king over an everlasting kingdom? Who brings us into that kingdom? Who makes us his own? Who uses us for his purposes? And it's oftentimes in the midst of hardship and struggle that those promises become real. Where we're able to say, you know what? I understand where you're coming from. Here's a time where I struggled and I wrestled. And this is how I saw God's hand in the midst of that. Look to the birds. Look to the flowers. You have a heavenly father. He sees you in your need. And he's provided all things for you through his son, Jesus Christ. Might you put your hope and your trust in him? Let's pray. Father, you have provided all that we need in your son, Jesus Christ. When it's hard, we pray, Lord, that what we've laid up, what we've tucked away, the word that you have given to us, uh, your, your scriptures would ring true in our ear. Lord, that we would treasure your word. We would treasure your promises. Lord, that we would see it as a pearl that is worth everything. Selling everything and gaining it. Lord, that we might submit to your will for you see us in our need and you provide all that is good and true and right. Lord, that we, in our, in our time of need, that we would rely upon you. That, that we would remember that you've made us right with you. That you have embraced us as your own. That you delight in us. That you have given us meaning and purpose that this world can never give us. Help us, Lord, in our unbelief to remember these things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.